0: Hello, this is Susan Marie, and welcome to The Human Condition, a conversation with you based upon everyday observations that all of us experience made simple. You can catch these on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and by subscribing to my newsletter, sumarie.substack.com, and also by subscribing on iTunes. Most things I speak of are linked for further study in the data section of the show. The human condition is defined as the characteristics, key events, and situations which compose the essentials of human existence, such as birth growth, emotionality, aspiration, conflict, and mortality. This episode includes the birth growth, emotionality, aspiration, and conflict aspects of the human condition by focusing on anxiety. So what is anxiety? Psychologically speaking, people have various definitions for anxiety according to how they experience it. However, anxiety itself is a normal part of human existence. When it is experienced occasionally, such as public speaking, driving somewhere you've never been before, traveling alone, starting a new job or relationship, or moving. And what separates anxiety from an anxiety disorder is the anxiety goes away once the experience itself is experienced. However, when anxiety is persistent, uncontrollable, overwhelming, excessive, like an irrational dread of everyday situations, it is disabling. When anxiety interferes with daily activities, that is when anxiety becomes a disorder. And anxiety is the mind and body's reaction to stressful, dangerous, or unfamiliar situations. It's the sense of uneasiness, distress, or dread you feel before a significant event. Now, a certain level of anxiety helps us stay alert and aware, but for those suffering from an anxiety disorder, it feels far from normal. Philosophically speaking, Soren Kierkegaard argued that anxiety is part of human nature, and anxiety arises where Possibility and actuality come into contact, and the present touches the future. Anxiety is a product of having the freedom to make choices and act, and by doing so, make a commitment to one's identity, ways of being in the world, and standing in relation to other people. For Kierkegaard, anxiety can be an avenue to stand in relation to the universe. This is why he wrote Whoever has learned to be anxious in the right way has learned to be ultimate. While it's tempting to run from anxiety or try to eliminate it, that would mean rejecting part of human nature. Anxiety can provide opportunity to assess not just choices, but more holistically, the way we live our lives. Most fundamentally, anxiety turns our attention to what Kierkegaard calls our greatest task in life, which is to become who we are. We become someone when we act. We form our identities by having and acting on our principles, commitments, hopes, and dreams. Not taking action is the opposite of freedom. As Kierkegaard recognizes, the most common form of despair is not being who you are. Regardless of the psychological or philosophical reason, anxiety must be dealt with immediately before it worsens and becomes disabling and turns into another disorder that sends one compensating with drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, excessive gaming, and internet and cell phone use, and any and all addictive behaviors that turn into disorders. Now let me ask, have you ever had a panic attack? I have. Numerous times. More times than I ever wish to recount. So, let's go over the basic symptoms and signs of anxiety. Anxiety and a panic attack. Picture this your heart is pounding, you can't catch your breath, and you're so consumed by fear that you think you are dying even though you are not in any danger. That's a seriously basic description of anxiety and a panic attack. It is much, much worse than that. However, these episodes of extreme fear happen without warning. So, what happens inside your body and brain during anxiety and a panic attack? Well, you pretty much feel like you're losing control or going crazy. Your heart pounds, you sweat, you have a feeling of choking, you may be trembling or shaking, you have shortness of breath, immense chest pain, nausea, dizziness, chills, or hot flashes, and an out-of-body sensation called depersonalization. You may also have tingling or numbness in your arms, hands, feet, and legs. Basically, you feel and fear that you are dying and that indeed is terrifying. Many people mistake a panic attack for a heart attack and end up in the ER. That is how terrible a panic attack is. Sometimes panic lasts a few minutes, sometimes a few days, and sometimes it never goes away. Eventually, you are drained and exhausted. So what is happening physically in the body to initiate anxiety and panic? Well, your body's fight or flight response is responsible. Normally, when you encounter a threat like swerving your car in traffic to avoid an accident, your nervous system springs into action. The hormone adrenaline floods into your bloodstream, putting your body on high alert. Your heartbeat quickens, which sends more blood to your muscles. Your breathing becomes fast and shallow, so you can take in more oxygen. Your blood sugar spikes, your senses get sharper. And all of these changes, which happen in an instant, give you the energy you need to confront a dangerous situation or get out of harm's way quickly. However, with random panic attacks and anxiety, your body goes on alert for no reason whatsoever. The adrenaline levels in the body can spike by two and a half times or more. In addition, physical changes may start about an hour before an attack due to subconscious what-if thinking. What if this will go wrong? What if I don't do well? What if they don't like me? What if I mess up? What if something bad happens? We all do it. And by subconscious, one hour before your brain is thinking, we're not even conscious of this. So by the time your body is feeling the physical sensations of anxiety, which turn into panic, then you have a panic attack. And there are numerous reasons behind the why of anxiety disorders and panic attacks, such as low serotonin levels, childhood and early adult hereditary and environmental factors, and adverse and extreme side effects of other medications. But for our discussion today, let's focus on the reason why anxiety is presenting itself. Kierkegaard believed that anxiety may be compared with a dizziness and that when one looks down the yawning abyss, they become dizzy. Kierkegaard believes anxiety arises from the freedom of choice, which is essentially existential angst, which is in turn the human condition. In that, anxiety disorders still must be dealt with. And a few steps in recognizing and dealing with anxiety include, one, learn to recognize the signs of your own panic. If you feel signs of panic, a racing or pounding heartbeat, flushing of the face or body, and mental confusion, you're probably in a state of panic. If you're shouting, saying unreasonable things, or just saying whatever comes out of your mouth without thinking about the consequences, you are most likely in a state of panic. 2. Deep breathing from the diaphragm, not the chest, will calm your body and burn off the adrenaline that's been released and ignite your limbic system responsible for calming your body. Slow down, count to 10, focus on thinking clearly and factually rather than reacting emotionally. Now that is easier said than done, but with practice, deep relaxation breathing will stop a panic attack in its tracks. Three, take responsibility to figure out what you're afraid of. And four, make a decision and take some action tackling that fear fear. I mean, it's impossible to think clearly when you're flooded with fear or anxiety. The first thing to do is take time out so you can physically calm down. And if you start to get a fast heartbeat or sweaty palms, the best thing to do is not fight it. Avoiding fears only makes them scarier. Lastly, five talk about it. Sharing fear takes away a lot of the scariness. And if you cannot talk to a partner, friend, or family member, call a helpline, see a psychologist, a mental health counselor, or your general practitioner. Now, after you try these steps, especially after getting professional help, go back to the basics. Simple, everyday things like a good night's sleep, a wholesome meal, and a walk are the best cures for anxiety. And then reward yourself. Yes, give yourself a treat. When you have made the decision to help yourself, reinforce your own success by treating yourself to whatever little gift you deserve that makes you happy. Now let's look at anxiety triggers. A key component to the prevention of anxiety is awareness. Learning to recognize your anxious thinking patterns when they arise can help you manage and reduce them quickly. And awareness of anxiety begins with trying to identify the cause and or trigger of anxiety and gaining an understanding of how it affects your mood and behaviors. Awareness of the source of your anxiety is the first step to finding out the best way to relieve it. Sometimes there are things in your life that you already know trigger anxiety. And once you identify your triggers, you can start to practice healthy coping strategies that can help you calm your anxiety before and as it occurs, such as relaxation techniques, journaling, anything creative, art, nature, yoga, meditation, exercise, and tracking your stressors, moods, thoughts, and behaviors that are impacted by anxiety. This will further help you identify the cause of your anxiety and notice when you may be engaging in unhelpful thoughts thoughts and behaviors that only increase your anxiety now in addition to recognizing anxiety disorders in yourself how do you recognize them in others for example when a person indicates excessive anxiety or worry about a future event like a social situation work demands or separation from safe people or places such as a parent the home or a friend that's anxiety When a person has feelings of panic and accompanying physiological reactions like sweaty palms, heart racing, heavy breathing, short of breath, that is anxiety. If a person experiences sleep disturbances and difficulty concentrating as a result of anxiety or worry, that is definitely anxiety. You may also notice general signs of distress, like neglect of personal hygiene, weight gain, or weight loss, a decline in performance at work or school, major changes in mood, or withdrawal from activities or relationships that someone used to enjoy. In addition, there are two important guidelines to think about aside from symptoms. These are duration of symptoms and the level of impairment. Anxiety is a normal reaction to stressful situations, and even high levels of anxiety can be healthy and beneficial at times. Disorders are only present when anxiety symptoms last for several weeks to months and significantly interfere with everyday function or cause long-lasting distress. So when dealing with anxiety, there are behaviors that must be taken and some to be avoided. One, avoid shaming yourself or another for anxiety. comments like "Just get over it" or "chill out" are hurtful and not helpful. Two, ask someone how you can help them. Three, be patient If a friend is experienced an episode of anxiety, it may not be helpful to intervene or try to fix it. It is helpful to be available and let your friend know that you support and love them and four, support the idea of getting treatment. There is a lot of stigma still around seeking help for mental health, but showing your support for this may allow someone to get over initial fears around taking that first step and getting professional help. Now, having dealt with all of these things myself as seen in episodes 20 and 21, suffering through pain to growth and and hitting rock bottom, which includes panic disorder with agoraphobia, OCD, substance use disorders, and so much more. I view anxiety much like Kierkegaard from a psycho-spiritual, lens, meaning that all illness is a signpost, a path for you to choose to either stay asleep or to wake up. Whenever the physical body is showing signs of dysfunction, it is in the mind where the dysfunction in thinking begins. The physical body is the aftermath of how one thinks. The most integral aspect to be concerned with in such situations is awareness. Awareness that you are not crazy, you are not broken, you did not fail, you are not weak, and that yes, you can and will get past this. But you are the one that must choose to help yourself. And if someone cannot help themselves, it is your responsibility as a human being to help them. During my own times as a child and teenager, there was not anyone around me to recognize signs and symptoms, and we weren't taught these things in school or in society, let alone in our family system. So I never thought my behavior was in need of care until around the age of 30, when I had a full-blown panic attack, and from there, chose the strenuous uphill climb towards a new me, a new way of thinking, a better version of myself, a stronger individual, and it was one of the hardest times in my life. However, without that... I would not be me, and without whatever you are currently dealing with, you would not be you. I linked in the data section something for you to do. It's called the Screening for Generalized Anxiety Disorder. It's quick, simple, an online survey that scores your levels of anxiety, and it's what's used in the mental health field to gauge where one is at. I take this every few months to gauge my own anxiety. And today I scored a four, which is really good. So please take some time to take this to help yourself. And if you score high, instead of thinking something is wrong with you, ask yourself, what is causing that anxiety? Then take the steps mentioned in our discussion today to help you better deal with that anxiety. Remember, worry, stress, anxiety, and anxiety disorders are four completely different things. However, worry without action can lead to stress that leads to anxiety that can lead to a disorder. Like Kierkegaard and Sartre, anxiety informs us of our choices, our self awareness, and personal responsibility, and brings us from a state of unself conscious to self conscious reflection. An individual becomes truly aware of their potential through the experience of anxiety. In the words of philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, man is a synthesis of the mental and physical. However, a synthesis is unthinkable if the two are not united in a third. This third is spirit. In innocence, man is not merely animal. For if he were at any moment of his life merely animal, he would never become man." Ah, if one looks at people's lives, one often must say in sorrow, they do not themselves know what powers they have. They more or less keep themselves from finding that out because they are using most of their powers to work against themselves. The domain of anxiety is within the mental emotional states of human existence that precede the qualitative leap of faith to the spiritual state. And it is through anxiety that the self becomes aware of its relation between the finite and the infinite, the temporal and the eternal. Please subscribe, review, and join me next week for more interesting discussions. And check out last week's episode on what is an empath.